Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek. Welcome to episode 330 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her trauma. Yeah, you heard me right. This is going to be a terrific episode. Before we begin, know that this episode is made possible by our wonderful friends at Smarty Pants Women's Vitamins, the delicious once a day gummies that contain all of the essential vitamins, minerals, and omega oils customized just for women. To learn more, hop on over to smartypantsvitamins.com. Here's your first reminder to click on the iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show. I love hearing from you. My team loves it. Your feedback is that important. So don't forget, hit that iTunes and rate and review. All right, it's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about Her. Now, everyone out there in the Her Podcast land, sure better know by now after 330 flipping episodes uh, that I'm a resistance trained athlete. I'm a senior Olympic triathlete and I've been lifting weights before it was cool to lift weights. Um, I just happen to love it. And I've got the body that makes me happy and strong and, and confident and all the rest of it. And so I have always made certain that women know how important it is to do some form of resistance training. I happen to be a kettlebell fool, um, but there are so many other ways to do it, and we're going to be talking about that. Now, you've heard me say that, and I've combined it with endurance training and all the rest of it. Hell, just take a walk. As I always say, walk your dog, even if you don't have one. Just get on up there, move your little feminine behind, and just glorify, you know, how wonderful it is to have a body that, that functions well. All right. Now, what if I add another layer to this? And that is by lifting heavy things that you could actually heal trauma one rep at a time. Trauma is your definition of trauma. You don't have to have a building fall on your head. What you need to do is wrap your head around the fact that maybe there's a trauma that's sticking to you that's an issue and you need to address it. I bet you never thought that by lifting heavy things, you could actually heal trauma. Well, we have the author of the book. Well, there it goes. Lifting heavy things, healing trauma one rep at a time. Laura Kudari. Now, Laura is a trauma practitioner, she'll tell us what that is, certified personal trainer and corrective exercise specialist, and she's well known within the trauma and fitness communities because she's been putting this together for a long time. The book is a fabulous read. Laura, welcome to the Her Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I feel so excited. As soon as you said the word kettlebell, I got giddy. There you go, man. Um, and I've got the sport kettlebells too, the big boys. Nice. Um, yeah, mine's are, mine are pink right now. I'm moving to blue soon. So here we go. What in the heck is a trauma practitioner? Sure, that's a great question. Um, so 
a trauma practitioner, I think, is somebody who has been studying different healing modalities that work with trauma that may not be a therapist, right? I am not, and I always make this clear, I am not a licensed mental health practitioner, but I am trained in, um, in the somatic experiencing professional training, which is a three-year training on a trauma healing modality. I have studied with different um, trauma specialists and taken a lot of continuing education that many therapists will have taken to learn about trauma and how trauma impacts the body. And I've brought that work into my professional practice as a personal trainer. Excellent. So what got you into this? I mean, wh why did you decide to do this? You're a certified personal trainer. You do this work as an exercise specialist. Um, why, why trauma? Why did you go to that place? Because you know and I know that trauma, trauma-centric kind of therapy is now becoming a real thing, thank God. Um, it has, you know, been all but uh, neglected entirely for so many years within uh, psychology, within medicine, etc. And we have people who've developed yoga for trauma. We already know about that. That's Bessel van der Kolk's beautiful work. Um, he's a dear colleague of mine. And, and we love all that. But why, how did you put together lifting heavy things, resistance training, and trauma? Sure. Yeah. So um, just so you know, I actually became a personal trainer to ground this work in and uh, the trauma work in. So I wasn't a personal trainer first. I went into personal training specifically to do this work. And um, it comes out of my own experience, which I think is what we see a lot with people who get into wellness practices. I did not like working out. I did not like exercise but I had a bad back at a young age. And I started strength training very begrudgingly, but it got me out of pain. So, you know, kind of like what you were saying before, walk the dog, even if you don't have a dog, I was getting up and I was doing it. And it really improved my quality of life. And over time, I really began to love it. And we're talking a couple of years. And I got into, became curious about other things. I got into barbell sports and I really fell in love with doing barbell sports. It was just my joy. I really kind of in my early thirties really stepped into myself and felt really empowered and felt this really great sense of being able to speak my voice in a way I hadn't before. And all of this really came from having the courage to start doing strength sports. Uh, I saw the connection. Um, totally separate from that, I experienced an acute trauma and subsequently post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was still going to the gym. In fact, I was training a lot. I was overtraining. I was, it became a maladaptive coping thing because I felt so good in the gym and that was where I felt good and strong and safe. I kept showing up to the gym and I was training 10 times a week. I was doing Olympic weightlifting, I was doing powerlifting and I was doing karate and I wasn't resting and I hurt my back. So I came full circle and I couldn't, I hurt my back very, very badly. I had a partial paralysis in my left leg from very severe sciatica and I was terrified because this was like the thing I did to feel safe and good and now I couldn't do it. Um, and it was a long journey of 
trying the trauma center, trauma sensitive yoga, um, which, you know, didn't work for me. It felt incredibly triggering. Um, I tried with a couple of different practitioners and it's definitely something I recommend people try, but I also want people to know that if it's not for you, don't worry, you can find something. And I, I was just determined to get myself back in the gym because even though I felt unsafe everywhere, I felt most safe there. And I also found that when I was having troubles, when I was having things like flashbacks, I was able to recover more quickly when I was having those experiences in the gym than when I was having those experiences other places. So I knew there was something there. And uh, what I didn't see happening was until after I had been doing it was that I was starting to, in training in a way that was really taking care of my back and my body, I was starting to cultivate skills that I was using in therapy. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I was in talk therapy as well. I was able to stay with my body under stress. I was able to pay attention to signals in my body and start catching uh, moments that were triggering quick enough that I wasn't necessarily as reactive. And I was just building all these wonderful skills. And I realized this was something I wanted to share with other people. I wanted to go deep. I've always been interested in research. I am almost always in school. I love to study. I love systems. And I was putting all this together and I really wanted to also take my background in uh, strategic planning and program development for nonprofits and start to create a program for other people who wanted something to go with their therapy to help support them as they were recovering from trauma. I love it. So what you did was you, you dug deep, you saw that you had a background in strategic planning and you said, well, let's see now, um, that's one of my assets. At the same time, your body um, very happily took to resistance training. And uh, obviously, once you'd uh, taken care of the back injury issue, it really made sense then to say to yourself, well, now I've discovered something. And I'll bet, I'll put money on it, that you kind of cruise the internet and you looked at Amazon, you know, books and whatever, and tried to find something like this. And, and probably said to yourself, I'm putting words in your mouth here, freely, you know, dang, there's nothing out there. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? You know, is that what happened? I'm just guessing. <laughs> very, very similar. So I was like, oh my gosh, I was, you know, I'm in New York City, right? I feel like you can get, if something exists, there's a good chance, like a service, you can get a lot of services here. I thought, oh gosh, there must be a trauma. If there's trauma-informed yoga, there's got to be a trauma-informed personal trainer. Um, the personal trainer who I had a wonderful close relationship with, he had left New York to open his own facility um, kind of far away. So seeing him wasn't an option. And I was really struggling to find a coach or a trainer who would listen to me, but I couldn't find anybody. Um, and I, you know... I found somebody doing similar work in Canada, which is not New York City. And this was before we were all remoting to do everything. And yeah, I couldn't, I certainly couldn't find a book. I did, I was online and I was like, I'm going to find that John Sarno book, uh, Healing Back Pain. Oh yeah, we all know Sarno. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. 
and I'm in bed. This is when I'm still in bed. I'm still having a hard time walking at this point. And I see, I can, I'm looking for delivery because I'm in New York City and I'm also incredibly hyper aroused and freaked out. I want delivery in two hours. <laughs> so John Sarno is not available in two hours, but there's a new book being recommended to me that can be in my hot little hands in under two hours called The Body Keeps the Score. Oh yeah, Bessel. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I I got that book and probably like some ice cream uh, <laughs> and whatever else. And in, in that order. In that order. And I read that book, which, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure you are, you are clearly familiar with that book. Um, those who are familiar with that book know it's wonderful. It is not a breezy read though, but I read it like I was reading a murder mystery because I was getting so many answers. I was like, who done it? You know, just turning the pages. I was seeing myself on these pages and that's what started to get the gears really moving. I love and it. also an inspiration behind writing my book because I found connection in a book, right? That's where I found my first real connection um, with this stuff. And so I wanted to connect with people in this way. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And that was a really smart thing to do. So basically you did, as any good strategic planner would do, you did due diligence. You're scoping. What the hell is out there? I'm in a funky way you know, uh, Lord, give me strength, you know, just, um, and let me at least walk to the damn bathroom. Okay. So that's how this whole thing started. So, you know, uh, it's interesting. You're not asking people to take a walk. I think most people would kind of go, okay, I get that part. And, you know, shame on me if I can't just stand up and walk, assuming my, my body works. But when you talk about resistance training, yeah, I find it's a generational thing. I think that younger generations uh, have been exposed to it as, as women because uh, that's what they're doing now in PE and all the rest of it. But um, some of the older generations, meaning anything, quite frankly, from age 40 on up, uh, may not be as familiar with resistance training, although it's becoming quite the thing on the overall. So I would imagine it takes a while for a woman to wrap her head around this and also to make connections, to make the connection that this is really doing something for me as it relates to my trauma, let alone what it's, you know, good things for your body and all the rest of it. That's sort of a given, but uh, how you do that. So when you introduce a woman to this, how do you do that? I'm sort of curious. I mean, again, I get the walking thing, you know, that's easy. There's probably a gazillion sites out there saying, Walking's just the best for heart disease and all the rest of it. When it comes to resistance training and trauma, how do you, in, in layman's terms, you know, help someone who's walking in, you know, through your front door and, and introduce them to this, especially if they've never really done resistance training? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that because most people who seek me out are already interested in it. But I definitely get questions from people who aren't sure if they're interested. <laughs> so that's who I'm thinking about. And, you know, the thing about strength training and why it seemed like such a natural fit to me for this work was we know it's good for our health, right? So that's one angle we're looking at, which is 
it's going to help with chronic pain. I started strength training very begrudgingly because it was good for chronic pain. And I got to a place where I could go on vacation for a week and not train and be okay. And that was life changing. So that is a big, that is a big draw for a lot of people who are living with trauma. They're having chronic pain issues. Um, and so strength training, and I'm going to meet my, and this is something I'm always very clear about. I'm going to meet you where you're at, right? And we're going to work with equipment that appeals to you. I don't give everybody, in fact, I don't give everybody a barbell because not everybody wants to work with a barbell. You say to me, you love kettlebells. We're going to, we're going to start in that direction. You know, I have a lot of clients who really like resistance bands. That's great. That's where we start, you know, and I like to give my clients a lot of options. And so I would ask, you know, what out of anything in here are you maybe curious about? So that's part of it. This is going to help you get out of chronic pain. It's also going to help promote better sleep. And we know sleep disturbances are a huge part of trauma disorders and people, people like to get a good night's sleep. So that's a big part of it. Next up, we can talk about think about anybody you know who's been doing this, they tend to feel really grounded in their bodies. They tend to say it's very grounding that they feel empowered to do other things in their lives. And this is a big one for me when I'm talking to people who are like, well, I don't want to be a bodybuilder. I don't want to get big and bulky. You know, the person who introduced me to strength training and got me to start training was my mother. So you were talking about ages. For everybody listening, I am 43. I didn't become a trainer until I was 39. My mother is 30 years older than me. And she has she continues to strength train. And she strength trains so that she can do the things she likes to do. And I have clients who want to be able to carry their groceries home. That's a big thing here in New York. Um, and that's what we're working towards. We're not working towards getting super ripped or, you know, winning a competition. I mean, I've had people who want to be power lifters train with me because of my background, but most people who come to work with me, they just want to feel better in their bodies. How many of the people who see you um, have trauma issues? Are they all of them? Most of them? Yeah. It's, you know, shifted over time, right? I started just working with general population and barbell club as a strength coach, but I sort of brought this trauma perspective with me. It's part of how I do everything. <laughs> but yeah, in general, I have my own practice and I work with clients. And at this point, I'm really working with people who really want to use this as part of their healing process. But that has transitioned over time. And for uh, like a lot of my early clients were like, oh my God, no, my, my trainers don't get me. My I really want to do a kickboxing class, but I just get so overwhelmed. I need help getting to that spot, right? So that's the kind of client I had. And it's just been sort of changing. All right. So share three practical tools that really allow you to achieve that goal of feeling safe in your own body because so much of trauma involves the body. Sure. So the first thing that I really open practice with and I encourage folks to do is we'll put this in the gym because that's what we're talking about. Or even in your, your home, whatever your home, if you work out at home, you work out in the gym, you work out outside, wherever it is, we'll put it there. 
when you arrive to do your movement practice, so maybe it is going for a walk or maybe it is lifting weights, um, before you start, just take a moment to really get grounded. And by that, I mean, feel your feet on the ground, give your weight to your feet on the ground, or if you're seated to your seat and really feel yourself being supported. And then take some time to really take in your environment. Um, in the book, I give two different orienting practices. Uh, one is through sound and one is through sight. I love to use sounds, and so I'll just quickly explain what I mean, which is take some time and start listening to sounds close to you. So that even might be the sound of your own breath or your swallowing. And slowly work your way out, listening, and your eyes can be open or closed. You know, if you're outside somewhere else, you probably want your eyes open. But really listening to sounds further and further away and really paying attention to where they are, making like a 360-degree map of where you are using the sense of sound. This allows you to really arrive in the present moment and feel really grounded and be in a place where you can really take stock of the environment and say, this is, I feel good, I'm in my body, I'm here and now. So that any decisions and judgments that you're making, they're likely to come from the present moment and not some emotional memory, right? So that's how I really like to open any practice. Next is to think about how can you, while you're doing your movement practice, stay within a place where you are working hard, right? We're talking about working with working hard, but not working so hard that you feel overwhelmed. So in the case of strength training, I, this is one of the reasons it's so natural is you do sets. So you do maybe you do 10 reps of an exercise and then you go into 10 reps of a second exercise and then maybe you're supposed to wait for about 30 to 60 seconds in between those. During those 30 to 60 seconds, really use that time to again, like reset and bring yourself back down. So some people may use breath and really focus on their breathing. Um, they might use the orienting technique I just shared. Another thing you can do is take like one of those like lacrosse balls or a massage ball or a rolled up cuff, anything, and pass it back and forth between your hands. Just the very act of crossing the midline is going to help bring your nervous system back down. And then you're going to go work out again and you're going to bring it back up. This is actually really good for your body and really good for your nervous system in keeping you working hard, but within a range of tolerance that feels okay. And lastly, um, no, you can go. No, you can say, no, I don't want to do this. No, if you show up for your workout and you start and you're like, I, this is not, this is not for me today. You have the agency to be there and you have the agency to leave. I think it's really important when we're, and this is a big thing that's missing from fitness. We have a lot of like boot camp mentality and um, sort of saying that we don't have a choice in our exercise. No, you always have a choice in your exercise. And so you can choose even partway through your workout, even if you're in a group fitness class, even if you feel like you should be there for whatever story you're telling yourself, if you do not want to be there, if it doesn't feel safe, if it doesn't feel good, you can leave. Okay. Very, very interesting as, as you're kind of going through this, you know, with, I'm just thinking of, of triggering movements 
moments, you know, is it easy to identify them fast enough and then recover from them? It, it varies, right? From person to person. And it varies where you are. You know, when I first started going back in the gym, it was terrifying. And I was, I was squatting, you know, this was before I really knew what I was doing. I was, you know, this was before I got hurt. So not really go back in the gym. When I was in the gym training with the PTSD, I would put these, you know, 200 pounds on my back and have a flashback and I mean a squat rack. It was really scary and it would come really fast. It took practice and it also took dialing it back and realizing like, oh, okay, I probably shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be training as a power lifter right now. What can I be doing? Well, you know, before I got hurt and then also when I came back to lifting, I found that I could do technique work, which is a lot lighter weight. I didn't feel uh, trapped under the bar in the same way that I would under the squat. I started to identify it. I think we're so afraid of getting triggered or triggering others. And that's, you know, no, no one wants to trigger. No one wants to trigger somebody else as a trainer. It's hard. It's scary. It's, it's a terrible experience. That said, we don't always know what's going to be a trigger. And I think what's more important to focus on is figuring out those places where you're less likely to be triggered, getting the tools to practice creating that space so that you maybe can catch it faster. It takes practice. Like this is all about practice. That's why I call it a movement practice. We go in and we're practicing paying attention. We're practicing pausing. We're practicing saying, no, I'm not going to do that because it's going to overwhelm me or practicing. I'm going to try that because I'm curious about it. And I know that I know how to take care of myself if I become overwhelmed. Right. I love it. I, I, I love where you're going with this. And, and what this also reminds me of is, uh, you know, I, I'm a very uh, trauma centric physician and clinical scientist. And so I, this is always in the back of my mind because it is my thought that the mass majority of people out there uh, have some level of, of trauma that they haven't worked out somewhere along the line. And one of the things I have found, you know, when I have led retreats and I've done things like this, um, and I always introduce everyone to resistance training at a very basic and simple, straightforward level at, you know, offering multiple options. I, I've noticed that one of the things that women tend to say is that I felt helpless and vulnerable at one point. I felt like I had no power at one point, especially when this, this trauma thing happened, whenever it was in your life span. But now, you know, when I, when I walk out of here, standing erect, strong back, strong core and, and uh, strong mind, I, I feel that I could fend for myself. I feel strong mentally, spiritually, physically, and I feel like I could stand up now and feel as though uh, I have the power and I have the strength at all levels with the resistance training just being a metaphor for the whole thing. 
and that's why it resonates with people so much rather than just, you know, yoga alone. Yoga's phenomenal. I love it. I'm one of those cherry pickers. I'll be, you know, okay, guilty. Um, so I did a little here, <laughs> a little there, and that's just the way that little Hummer goes, right? Um, and that's what I do, and I love it. But I I love that feeling of 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 feeling powerful, of just feeling just amazingly infused with this confidence that you're okay and and that the trauma whatever it may be it's 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 all right now um in the sense that it'll always be a piece of you no question but you're okay right now because of this does that make sense is is that what you see with the people you work with Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a hundred percent. You know, when I select the exercises for my clients, like any corrective exercise specialist and personal trainer, I'm going to pick exercises that are showing up as needed to meet the goals and to address any sort of aches and pains and that sort of thing, or move them towards a movement that they want to do. But I always, always look for movements that are seem to be universally empowering. And now it might be, it may look a little different from person to person. Not everybody is going to, I'm not going to point to a barbell, loaded up barbell and have everybody deadlift it, but I am going to have everybody experience what it's like to feel really strong in the back of their body. Right now, my own training program has a ton of back work on one day. And when I'm done, I feel so proud, not proud of myself for doing the exercise. Like I'm standing with a proud posture and that sends a signal to my mind. Um, and it sends a feeling throughout my being of pride. And I carry that with me through my day. It is great. I always, you know, I think of in yoga poses that feel like mountain pose, um, where you have this strength kind of pulling up your front of your body and down the back of your body, and you feel so grounded. I try to. Oh, I like warrior pose. You're ready to. You're ready to go after it, huh? I, yeah, I love warrior. Warrior two feels good. I look for, and I often, if I have a client, in fact, who does yoga, I ask them about their favorite poses. And if there's a nice, strong standing pose, I really try to think about that in the movements we do, because there's a reason they like that. It gets them in touch with a feeling that we're, we're going to try and bring into the strength training program. And, you know, with all of this talk recently um, about mental health, you know, we look at N Naomi Osaka, um, the, the wonderful tennis player who, you know, was basically slammed down by the French Open people because she did not want to do the press conference that is somewhat prerequisite when you uh, do these competitions and basically called out her anxiety and depression and the fact that those uh, media events trigger her. And uh, the first thing was she was slammed down and fine fifteen thousand dollars and then instead of saying here's the 15 gee i really my bad you know she said you know something you can take this you know french open and shove it i'm not gonna you know uh, compete in it and 
uh, I'm just not going to be a piece of this because you people don't get it. This is about my mental health. And it was really interesting to kind of see what, what shook out from this. You know, uh, people saying, oh, come on, man. She's just saying that because she knows she's not going to win the, the French Open and she's not the favorite and blah, blah. There are all these little nasty people you want to give a little bitch slap or two to. And then there are these other people who said, rock on with your bad self, Naomi. You know, you're standing up to them and you're giving a major shout out and doing a major share about the whole issue of mental health. Well, I mean, you know, Twitter blew up. Uh, you know, Instagram blew up. Everything blew up. TikTok was going crazy. Why? Because guess what? It's 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 finally, uh, finally, mental health is beginning to have its day. We're now looking at it the way we look at physical health. You know, these tennis players aren't a bunch of uh, machines, nor are doctors like myself, nor is anyone out there. There has to be a level of self-care, self-protection, and there has to be a sensitivity, not just to physical welfare, but to mental welfare. And that's why, talk about perfect timing for this, because she was greatly traumatized, you know, by every time she walked into a, a media event, good, bad, or otherwise, it's just been tough for her. And nobody ever gave a damn. They just cared about what her forehand looked like. And I'm really, I'm, I'm really happy about that. It, how do you feel about what happened with Osaka? I was, I was really, uh, I was excited. I was proud of her, which sounds a little funny, but I, you know, I think about what I said earlier, like, no, you can leave if this doesn't feel good to you for whatever reason. Like if it's feeling that if it's not serving you, no, you can leave and here is this woman who, you know, this is a big, bold, this is a lot more than walking out of a yoga class. This is, you know, a very public setting a boundary. That's what she did, standing her boundary and not backing down from it. And it's setting this amazing example. I think she's 100% right. I always think of how we expect certainly from athletes, but even from ourselves and people in high performing jobs, like you said, we expect them to be machines. You know, why should, why should we demand that they, after they perform something as hard as competing, come talk, you know, to the press, which the press has been terrible to women of color, um, in this particular sport and well, in all sports. And I, I was just, I was really excited to see it. And I was more excited to see the conversation around it. I think there needs to be more of a, con a public conversation about mental health, mental health and women, mental health and women of color, mental health and athletes. I'd love to see more conversation of mental health and male athletes. And so I, I haven't come out with any particular messaging around it. I just got really, I was, but I was very excited to see it. Awesome. Awesome. I just, you know, I, I hope we can just fly with it. You know, uh, the best part, of course, Laura, you know, I mean, come on now. You know, we watched uh, all the four uh, Grand Slam tournaments. They all kind of went, 
Um, uh, why do we backpedal a whole lot right now and, you know, and give it up for Naomi and, uh, make sure all of our athletes are taken care of and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there going, mm-hmm, yep, yep, I hear you, boys and girls. Uh, and, and they're all, and they're all a bunch of guys, um, uh, who I'm sure just, probably thought she was a spoiled brat or something and didn't want to do it. Never occurred to them. It wasn't even on on their minds, I'm sure, that this was like a thing. <laughs> it's, right. it's a thing, you know? That makes and sense. like you said, even when you say it's a thing, people don't believe you. They discount you. Um, oh, she, what did you say? They probably think she's just being a spoiled brat. And, you know, like people go, oh, what's the big deal? Well, just because you don't understand what the big deal doesn't mean it's not a big deal. Um, and uh, yeah, and because it's state, this conversation has stuck around a little bit, we're, we're kind of having it, which is exciting. I just love it. And, you know, and I'm loving talking to you. Hell, I could talk to you for hours. And that's a that's a threat and a promise. Um, uh, <laughs> Sounds I, good. <laughs> I love the book. Um, and most importantly, I'm, of course, I'm horribly biased with lifting weights and all the rest of it. But, um, but to add the trauma piece to this was really unique novel and maverick. So kudos to you, Laura, for this fabulous book, lifting heavy things, healing trauma, one rep at a time. And as a very last thing, you know, when you, when you talk about this, this, uh, resistance training, the rest of it, I'm speaking, looking at chapter 14 right now, what moves you it's it's very interesting. I think that you use a term that I love to use because it really drives it home. And you and you say here, how many times have you started a new practice? Hmm. Okay, not a new gig or a new you know like um, physical fitness activity. It's a practice, like the practice of medicine, you know, um, or you have a meditation practice or whatever. So you start a new practice and promised yourself that this time it was going to stick. Okay. I know you've done it again and again. I love this issue of practice. And I really want to drive this home for all of our happy campers out there in the Herb podcast land that this is really about um, creating and sticking with a practice. And if you look at it like that, it almost becomes kind of like a Zen experience, you know, and it, it's that thing where you just show up, you walk your dog, even if you don't have one, and it becomes a practice in your life. And that practice becomes integral to your own self-care. So I thank you for saying that word over and over again, because it is a practice. That's what it is. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, absolutely. Practice, you know, practice implies that we are always doing, we're showing up regularly to get better. Why would we practice if we were already perfect? That's why we're there. And uh, another nice thing is it's like a, a practice, you can step away from a practice and come back to a practice. It leaves a lot more room for openness and choice and failure <laughs> and being human damn it you know exactly. and, and there you have it i love it listen all of you out there on the herb podcast land the book is lifting heavy things healing trauma 
one rep at a time. And the author is the wonderful Laura Kudari, and that's K-H-O-U-D-A-R-I. And all I can say is thank you for your words of wisdom and, and for this pioneering work. And please keep it up because God knows we, we need it. Thank you very much for being on the Her Podcast, Laura. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And everyone out there, run on over to iTunes, rate and review the show right now while it's fresh in your mind, because I want to hear from you. Why? Because I am Dr. Pam Peek, host of the Her Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peek MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Her Podcast on iTunes or Radio MD. Thanks for listening today, and please stay safe and stay well.